0: Hello and welcome to the Middle East Forum speaker webinar series. Through the end of the year, our project directors will be joining us to give us an update on what your funds have accomplished to date and the plans for the coming year. I'm Stacey Roman and I will be moderating this discussion today. We're pleased to have Cliff Smith, Director of the Washington Project here at the Middle East Forum, join us to discuss uh, or to give us an end of year update on how the Washington Project enacts reform in Congress. Cliff will speak for 15 to 20 minutes and open it up for questions. Should you wish to ask a question, please use the Q and A box located at the bottom of your screen to type you out your question. And with that, I'll turn the discussion over to Mr. Cliff
1: Smith. Hey, Stacey, how are you doing? Um, thank. You, good to meet everybody here. Um, anyhow, as she mentioned, I am the director of the Middle East Forms Washington Project. And um, first, let me just start real simple. Um, what is the Washington Project? The Washington Project is the Middle East Forum's liaison to decision makers and opinion leaders in Washington, D.C. What does that mean? That means I interact with people in the administration, in Congress, at different embassies around um, Washington, D.C. But it means more than that too. It also means working with other think tanks, working with journalists sometimes, working with um, other activists um, that are involved in our same issues to try to accomplish a similar goal. So it really is, um, in a sense, I suppose, Middle East Forum's ambassador to Washington, D.C. Um, anybody that can help us entrench Middle East Forum's ideas and desired policies and such into the minds of people that make decisions and to help them actually effectuate those decisions or something we do. Um, and as far as that goes, uh, it's also good to stress that we do, in fact, uh, certainly focus on big picture issues. We talk about radical Islam, we talk about Israel, we talk about Iran, we talk about these kinds of things um, when they're asked of us and when the situation presents itself. However, um, everybody talks about those kinds of issues that is involved in these kinds of things at all. So one thing that's very important that we do is that we look for pieces of those issues, you know, smaller pieces that are, that are doable and politically that are, that we can really have an impact on and make sure those kinds of things happen um, and make sure that um, people know about them, that they need to be done, that there is work to be done that can have a positive impact. um, And that is a big part of what the Washington Project does is look for those openings and then do what they can to make it happen. Um, let me start with one example. Um, many of you have probably heard of and you know are concerned about, rightfully so, of the Muslim Brotherhood or Salafis or other radicals from the Middle East. However, radical Islam um, is a worldwide phenomenon. Um, radical ideologies do not know geographic boundaries, and people um, at the Middle East Forum, especially in our Islamist Watch branch, have been increasingly concerned about Jamaati e islami Now, Jamaati e islami is linked in many ways to the Muslim Brotherhood. Um, the founder of Jamaati e islami was quite close with a number of Muslim Brotherhood um, theologians and founders, and they corresponded and so on and so forth, but they're predominantly out of South Asia. Um, however, we discovered um, through our research that A number of groups that are linked with um, Jamaat-e-Islami in the U.S., mainly the Islamic Circle of North America um, and Helping Hands for Relief and Development, their um, international aid arm, were pretty overtly tied and um, even openly associated with terrorists in the Middle East, such as Hezbollah Mujahideen, such as Lashkar-e-Taiba. We worked with different members um, last year to get a bill introduced calling attention to these Um, Problems and the the wider problem of Jamaat-e-Islami. Just slightly over a year ago, we had an event in Washington, D.C., calling attention to Jamaat-e-Islami to discuss the bill, to discuss all the problems in the U.S. and abroad. Um, And then, almost a year ago, almost the day, I think it was two or three days from now, um, we discovered something very interesting, that all of our work had uh, getting this bill introduced and raising this to the public consciousness had had um, blowback, but in a good way for our point of view. We found out that some of these radical Islamic groups were openly pushing back against what we were saying in Congress by providing to members of Congress a secret dossier attacking Middle East Forum's research. They had to hire a large international law firm to try to discredit letters that a congressman's, um, members of Congress had sent and things they had made um, in order to to try to discredit the pressure they were feeling as a result of us pointing out demonstrable facts about these organizations. now, when you actually tore apart their memorandum and their claims and their secret memos to Congress that they had been passing out, it was, um, to be blunt, garbage. It was dodges. It was easily disprovable um, half-truths um, at best, and sometimes outright lies. Um, but we had a great deal of fun um, showing that to reporters. We had a great deal of fun writing about that and calling it out, and frankly, it showed that what we had done had drawn real blood and really um, spooked the radicals we were looking to, um, to call out. What's more, um, this resulted in a whole m- bunch more articles on these various topics um, and a lot more research into these topics. Um, we now this year and last year have been um, published and reported on more in media in Bangladesh, India, Pakistan, um, certainly, than we ever have before. Uh, it, it was a huge bonanza of, um, of information, um, and a huge bonanza of um, coverage of the kinds of things we were doing. Um, and it was because it was being undercovered. Nobody was really concerned about this, and it's a big issue, and it's going to be a bigger issue going forward. Um, another thing we were able to discover through this was that some of these radical Islamic networks that were um, primarily from South Asia were also. Um, Mm -hmm. very close to a number of organizations that were anti-Israel, the anti-India, pro-radical Islam in Pakistan um, and Bangladesh type movements um, are very closely aligned, openly so, with the BDS movement, with um, um, American Muslims for Palestine, other radical Muslim Brotherhood linked organizations and other kinds of organizations that are anti-Israel. So in other words, they are working together against their common foes, India um, and and Israel, and we are trying to point that out, and nobody had really done that before, um, not in any sustained way, and we are working at doing that. Just a good example of the kinds of ways that we have been effective at pointing out um, things that are important, part of a broader mission, that then get focused on a smaller issue. Um, Another one is Qatar, specifically Al Jazeera, and Al Jazeera um, in the US. Um, As you know, Qatar is a big problem um, across the board. Qatar is increasingly the funder of terrorism and radical organizations around the Middle East. They are viciously anti-Semitic. They have the biggest propaganda network of anybody in the Middle East. Um, And yet there has been very little pushback from far too many people that ought to know better about this fact. Too many people are stuck in the past thinking that um, you know, the Saudis or uh, are the worst actor, which while they have certainly have their problems, no longer are, it's too many people you know, don't understand how Turkey has changed, so on and so forth. But one thing we re- realized we could do was that Al Jazeera um, in the US does not comply, or has not complied until recently with um, laws regarding foreign agents. Foreign agents, um, including media under different circumstances legally, um, are required to register and um, make public certain facts about themselves and their funding. Um, Al Jazeera had basically just openly defied the law and claimed they did not have to do this. For years, Middle East Forum has been working to call attention to this fact and to encourage disclosure with, for Al Jazeera and their um, foreign, um, and their obvious, very clear um, uh, fact that they are commanded by the Qatari um, regime. Nonetheless, it hadn't happened. While the law allowed for the government to require them to um, register, it, it did not, it was not required that they enforce the law essentially. We worked hard to try to bring attention to this, to the administration. We tried in Congress to get um, um, language added to different bills that would um, basically tighten the grip of the administration, able to do this easier and make the enforcement clearer, uh, even mandatory in some circumstances. Um, for various factors, while we, we were successful on some of those efforts and not successful in others, but until just a few months ago, unfortunately, for a lot of complicated reasons, Al Jazeera was not required to register um, yet. Finally, um, while we were trying to get even more language added, um, Senator Rubio and some others that we were talking to and informing about this problem and discussing the law and the history and all these kinds of things related with them, um, said, well, look, why don't we just write a letter to the administration saying, we think that you really need to enforce this law against Al Jazeera. And I said, that sounds great, let's do it. So Senator, I worked with Senator Rubio's office. They wrapped a letter. They got 10 other members of Congress, both House and Senate, to demand that Al Jazeera register. And that drew a lot of attention. We tried to support their efforts by writing op-eds and talking on the radio and so on about this issue. And a month after that letter was sent by Senator Rubio and 10 other members of Congress, the administration um, formally required Al Jazeera to register as a foreign agent. Um, and so that was a big win. of something we've been working on for years. Um, there's two lessons um, that I take from that. One is don't give up. We've been working on that for years and it took us a while to get there. The second is, you know, we were uh, the first focus was to try to, you know, have stronger language in the law, which would have been great, um, but we already had some pretty good language. But when one thing doesn't work, find another way. And in this case, while we didn't get what we first were trying for, we got a letter that ended up accomplishing the same goal. Um, and there's always ways to work around things like that in Washington. And that's something that we look for and continue to do every single day. Um, another issue that we are um, we're able to have a great deal of success on in this past year is the issue of um, higher education and um, um, anti Semitism, apologetics for terrorism, um, other waste of taxpayer money when it comes to Middle East studies and so on and so forth, and calling attention to this and getting at least a little bit of hard work done in the administration on this. Um, Title VI of the Higher Education Act is what funds a lot of Middle East study centers around the the U.S., um, the biggest ones. Um, Title VI has certain requirements that these schools are supposed to abide by. They are supposed to um, have balance in their curriculum. They are supposed to have certain fulfill certain language requirements, and they're supposed to be in service of US national security needs. Nonetheless, this has largely been ignored. Um, we have been calling attention to Title VI and the problems therein for years. Um, finally, our efforts paid off in at least one small way Duke UNC, um, a Middle East studies consortium uh, funded by Title VI. Um, there was an investigation open due to some of the issues we've been raising. Um, into their practices and how they spend federal dollars. This resulted in in a a, um, um, a Department of Education investigation, which found that most of the money they received from Title VI was not spent appropriately according to the law. Um, This was not, however, um, the last word on the subject. Um, the The education blob, as former Education Secretary Bill Bennett once called it, certainly it instantly started fighting back. Um, but nonetheless, we knew that the Duke UNC instances were just the, um, the, the tip of the iceberg. So working with campus watch people, we were able to have show very similar kinds of things that had raised um, concerns in Duke UNC took place at a number of other universities. As such, we were able to convince a number of congressmen to make public requests of the administration to start other investigations into um, other universities, Georgetown, um, University of Arizona, University of California, Berkeley, and, and Yale. Uh, and to point out these kinds of problems about anti-Semitism, apologetics for terrorism, um, basically downplaying the US national security concerns, things of that nature and say, hey, look, you're getting money for a specific purpose. If you want to um, you know, teach these things, that's your right. But not with federal dollars that are specifically for a different purpose, and we were able to publicly call these out. Um, I am aware of investigations that were started um, because of this. Um, uh, unfortunately, it is looking like, due to the clock, some of these investigations might not ultimately be made public. Nonetheless, again, with the um, uh, the lesson of um, continuing to try and look for other ways of doing things when one thing doesn't work perfectly, um, we were able to also get a request made by Senator Rubio and Senator Kramer of South Dakota to have a GAO audit of all Title VI funds, specifically looking um, at anti-Semitism and related issues, um, although not exclusively to those issues. Um, The GAO is a congressional um, agency. It is not affected by any changes in the administration. Thus is what will happen is that th- this audit, um, ha- should everything go ap- appropriately, should will continue um, regardless of anything else. Uh, while we are not hoping for the moon, certainly this helps us continue to put pressure on the universities to reform, continues to call attention to these issues. Um, and again, this is a long fight for a much bigger issue about fairness in the Middle East, about Um, fighting against anti-Semitism, against um, pushing for moderation in Islam and for not um, giving our approval to radical Islam, so on and so forth um, in the educational system, which eventually impacts so much of our national security. Anyhow, um, these are just a few examples of the things we have done. Um, There's a whole host more Um, I could discuss. I can tell you that we have worked with congressional actors and administration officials on actions to sanction PLO officials that are involved in um, the infamous pay to slay programs in um, Israel. Um, We have dealt with um, charities that are engaged in blatant anti-Semitism and involved in terrorism um, in the Middle East that have gotten attention in Europe Um, for and have their funds cut in Europe, but continue to be funded and continue to associate with uh, the administration um, and worked with them to officials in the administration to call this out, worked with people in the media to bring more attention to what is really going on um, here because it's gotten ignored so much. Uh, We have worked to continue to work um, to roll back UNRWA's definition of a refugee, which as you may know is expansive and different than any other refugee in the world. Then these refugees, purported Palestinian refugees, um, mandate a right of return, is what they they demand, um, to all of Israel, which would destroy um, Israel as a Jewish state, which was, of course, the purpose for its existence. Um, There is a report in existence, which we had a hand in creating, um, that tells the true number of refugees, given US law, given the UN um, High Commission on Refugees um, uses a different definition, which would be only tens of thousands, not millions. It would have diminished, not increased, over time. Uh, we just recently, uh, we uh, the Congress, uh, at least 12 members of Congress, signed a letter that would uh, call for the declassification of that report, which never should have been classified in the first place. Um, I can tell you that some of these things have not just involved um, the U.S. government; they have involved. Bringing these kinds of issues about, you know, terror-connected charities, about anti-Semitism um, in these kinds of charities that purport to be just, you know, innocent charities. We have talked to intelligence agencies um, in the U.S. and even abroad. We've talked to some of the intelligence officials of other organiz- of other countries about some of our findings um, as a result of our work here in Washington. So. In any event, that's a lot to take in, I'm sure. Uh, I hope it all made sense. Uh, This is the kind of thing that uh, the Middle East Forum does every day in Washington, trying to bring attention to these issues, trying to get action on these issues, um, and trying to move the ball forward. Um, We just try to grind it out a little bit at a time. Hope that uh, um, gets at a lot of the kinds of things you're interested in, and I hope it shows you what we have accomplished in the past year um, and what we hope to accomplish going on in the future.
0: All right, thank you so much for that that great rundown of all the amazing work that the Washington Project has been doing in the past year. Uh, The first question we have in is, is it a concern or problem that MSNBC has hired a new commentator from Al Jazeera?
1: Yeah, you know, I'm aware of that, and it certainly is a concern. Um, And I think it's, uh, I believe, one of our people has written an article about it. I mean, it 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 is you know difficult for um, policymakers to uh, affect you know who uh, what different media organizations hire people. I mean, it's not like um, you know the First Amendment applies to you know certainly U.S. citizens and others too. So it's not like we can hire them. What we can do is call it out. And so when some you know we can have people write about it. And moreover, um, uh, you know, something I try to do whenever I meet with anybody is you know if they come to me and say, oh here's this thing I heard about the Middle East or radical Islam or Israel or anything else, I can say, ah, well, you know, that isn't really true. You know, the fa- thing that this guy said uh, on MSNBC, that isn't true. And by the way, here's some research showing it. Here's what, here's our perspective on things. That's the kind of thing that I think is more important. It's not that, it, while it's a concern, you know, what we can really do is tell the truth. Uh, and when we hear people buy untruth, we can respond with truth.
0: Thank you. Uh, do any other countries other than Israel and the US see Qatar as guilty of actions and support that are threatening the civilized world?
1: Certainly. Um, actually, the, <laughs> the, the, the funny um, truth of the matter is um, the only the countries that dislike Qatar even more than Israel are a lot of the other Gulf countries. Um, Saudi Arabia, UAE, um, uh, goodness, um, Bahrain, um, Egypt, a whole bunch of these countries are far more concerned about Qatar even than Israel is. Um, it threatens them much more directly. Um, Al Jazeera and its propaganda threatens them much more directly. Um, matter of fact, I mean, I have personally spoken, I, I shouldn't give too many details, but I can say I have personally spoken to embassy officials at some of these different um, embassies about this issue. I can certainly tell you their concern in some cases are Um, you know, far more concerned than Israel is about it, Um, which is not say that Israel isn't concerned. I can just say that it is a pressing issue and that we work with people like like that, um, from countries like that, to try to effectuate change whenever we can.
0: Wonderful, thank you. And what are the chances for a successful outcome to the reintroduction of Ted Cruz's bill to get the Muslim Brotherhood declared a terrorist organization?
1: Uh, I believe in telling you hard truths rather than comforting untruths. Um, There is, even in the first two years of the term administration with, you know, in a new administration with, you know, large majorities in both, or at least some majorities in both houses of Congress, that's not a large majority in the Senate. um, That bill, which we supported and which I lobbied in favor of, which I took um, some of our fellows to, you know, testify in in favor of, um, was not able to pass. Um, And I do not expect that will change um, when circumstances are less favorable. Um, That said, this is an issue that keeps getting raised and it has real world impact. People know about this more because of it. And it's something that is the focus of um, people's thinking. And sometimes, you know, you can't get, um, you know, the whole enchilada, but you can get pieces of it. Um, For example, a few years ago, um, when this bill was kicking around, Uh, Then Congressman DeSantis, um, now Governor DeSantis, had a hearing in his subcommittee in the Oversight and Government Reform Committee focused on the Muslim Brotherhood with the idea that they ought to be designated as a terrorist entity. Um, Now, at this point, I think most people knew that probably wasn't going to happen, but the idea was to bring more um, um, facts about the Muslim Brotherhood and its many tentacles to the light. The Middle East Forum had just recently had a very large report on Islamic Relief published. Islamic Relief is, I would argue, the most important branch um, of the Muslim Brotherhood in in the West. Um, We showed how they had um, non-stop high-level affiliations with the Muslim Brotherhood, including their founders, who were actual members of the Shura Council. We showed how they are connected with terrorists in Gaza. Um, you know, their virtual nonstop anti-Semitism, so on and so forth. And we were able to bring that to members of the committee, um, the Oversight and Government Reform Committee, and we got that entered into the record. We had witnesses talk about it. We had congressmen talk about it. So, you know, although, so the point is, is that things like Ted Cruz's bill, which I assume will be introduced in the next Congress as well, um, even if it doesn't pass, um, it's not totally futile. It it affects the debate. It calls things into the, the limelight. And, uh, As a Supreme Court Justice famously once said, um, sunlight is the best disinfectant. And a good chunk of what we do is to try to do sunlight. And we can only do so much. I'm not a member of Congress, I'm not a Senator, I'm not a part of the State Department of Homeland Security. What I can do is continually sign sunlight in a hope that these people do the right thing. And over time, things do move in our direction, I believe.
0: Thank you so much. Uh, Do you think that the role of radical Islamist group will increase or decrease after the peace agreements are signed by the Arabs and Israel?
1: That's a very interesting question. Um, An honest answer would be I don't know. Um, I think it's very interesting that um, Here's something interesting. This kind of goes back to some of the things I've already talked about. A number of the radical Islamist groups that um, we deal with, you may have heard that, you know, are domestic, that have their tie have their roots in the Middle East, but are domestic, CARE, um, ISNA, um, some of these other organizations. Um, they are now facing problems in their own backyard. Um, the Gulf no longer likes them. Saudi does not like them. UAE does not like them. Bahrain doesn't not like them. A lot, you know, Egypt hates them, so on and so forth. Um, And what's more, the Palestinian cause is no longer seen in the same light uh, as as it once was in the Arab world. Um, And so things are changing. The rest of the Arab world is getting friendlier with Israel. It's interesting to watch because, and this is what goes back to something I mentioned about like BDS and American Muslims for Palestine, all of a sudden focused working with South Asian groups. Um, These sort of Islamists are now sort of being exposed as being a minority among their own people, which we have said for decades. But now that they are losing their own people in their own backyard, they're moving on to other causes. They're now focusing on Kashmir, things that are going on in South Asia, and they're partnering with radicals from there because they need new rallying cries. They need new friends, they need new allies because they're losing other ones. Um, what I can say is regardless of you know how much pressure they face now, even from their own people, um, you know, from diaspora in, the, in Europe and the U.S., from the governments back home, so on and so forth. They will try to find new ways to be influential and new causes to rally around because ultimately they're not about freedom for, uh, or, you know, um, opportunity for Arabs or Muslims in the Middle East. They are for Islamic supremacy. And that is a minority, even among their own people. They'll go find new causes. We will expose that and we will work to break that up that's a lot of what the work we've done in the last year or so has been.
0: Thank you so much. And along the lines of the Palestinian refugees, um, we have a question in. I have a strong interest in the refugee definition issue and would like to know which congressmen have signed the request for declassification. If that. Is- <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: you know, I um, I was working with several members of Congress that were interested in this issue um, and um, it was Friday, that they told me they were just rounding up signatures and sending it. I, they have not actually sent me the final copy of what they sent um, to the State Department, so I cannot tell you. Uh, I can say it, it, it involves a number of people that we have worked with before on this issue um, that, said, that we are very close with, like Congressman Lamborn, who I did a webinar with a little while ago, a Congressman Stewart of Utah, which has been very supportive on this issue for a number of years, Um, and at least I think 10 others. Um, I I don't know if they got a few more at the last second and I I don't have a list of names right in front of me. What I can say is that we have been working on this issue for quite some time and we're really hoping that that report will be made public and we will keep on um, doing whatever we can to call attention to this issue.
0: Thank you so much. And uh, we haven't talked about the Title VI funds yet. So uh, have any Title VI funds been withdrawn because of the criticisms of the Middle East studies criteria?
1: No, um, unfortunately, no, um, it's, uh, I wish that were the, not the case, but um, no, they have not yet. Um, I, I think um, perhaps, though, if you really want to see how effective it was, though, look at the reaction from the universities. After some of these investigations were open and some of this was made public, there was a huge amount of media pushback at a very high level from all kinds of different universities. Bluntly, if this was a joke that they could laugh off, they wouldn't have bothered. Um, it shows they don't, they are scared of it, they realize the problem, and they, I'm not saying it's going to change their behavior overnight, but if we are getting them to think twice before they, as the case was with Duke USC, UNC, um, have a Palestinian rapper that's openly going to say, you know, I hate Jews, and so should you, which was the gist of what he's saying on uh, on stage, they're gonna think twice about that. Um, you know, again, sometimes you have to look for the small victories, uh, you know, take half a loaf and keep uh, grinding out more.
0: All right, and one last question on that. Uh, have we use the threat of lawsuits to ensue, ensure that the Title VI provisions are enforced and complied with at various US universities. Is that an option?
1: Um, That's not the kind of thing we don't get directly involved in. Um, I can say that, uh, and and frankly, it would be difficult um, to find a client that would have standing that would really be able to appropriately enforce that. I I don't know if that would be possible. Uh, It might be, um, it would be difficult. Um, What I can tell you is we have worked with a whole slew of partner organizations on this topic. And we continue to communicate with a number of other organizations that are very concerned about this topic, some of which, um, you know, take various different approaches to work on this specific issue. And I do think that should there be efforts, um, either administratively or even, you know, legal challenges of different sorts that could potentially exist, um, the work we have done um make that kind of thing a lot easier. It, it calls facts into the light, it shows concern on d- d- policymakers and administrations, and that will make those kinds of efforts much more um, palatable over time.
0: Thank you so much. And should our viewers wish to support the Washington projects, how can they do that?
1: You know, we'd really appreciate that, especially it's coming in the end of our fiscal year. You can just go to our contribution form. Um, meforum.org forward slash participation and you can donate online it also gives you a number of other ways you can donate um it'd be great if you could just note that it's you know for the Washington project too um, we do a lot of um good work here um it's a lot of hard work but we have um you know continued to grind out wins and um i would say have an impact far above our size and uh we would like to continue to do so we could really use your help
0: all right, well, thank you so much. We've come to the close of our webinar. Thank you again, Cliff, for taking time to speak with us today. Thank you, well, Stacy. Of course. Uh, for our viewers, as you finish up or start your holiday shopping this year, we would like to remind you that we are a part of the Amazon Smile charity program. You can select the Middle East Forum as your charity, and Amazon will donate 0.5% of the price of the eligible purchases to the charity of your choice. So far this year, we have received over $1,000 through this program alone. Uh, also, please join us Wednesday at 3pm Eastern for our weekly update with Ashley Perry. And thank you all for joining us. I hope you have a wonderful day.